everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Druckmann. I am talking to Doc Searles and Kyle Rankin, both of whom you probably know because they are, well, Doc is our co-host, obviously, and uh, Kyle is a frequent guest. And we we uh, really enjoy having Kyle on because he, I think he he sort of raises the bar for us in here when he's around and and uh, he is like, but the like, like uh, the rest of us, privacy enthusiast, and he's really like you know putting his money where his mouth is and um, delivering on that. So uh, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about ad tech and privacy, and it's going to be great. So stick around. But before we get started, I want to make sure to remind everyone to visit our website at reality2cast.com and check out the links. We'll have a link to some stuff we're gonna talk about and and more. So yeah, so thanks Kyle for joining us again. <laughs> Always great to have you here. Oh yeah, well, thanks for having me on again. I mean, especially since we get to talk about a topic that all of us, you know, yep. yeah. have strong feelings about and, and have, have given a lot of thought to. Yeah, I, I always get excited when Kyle writes a new blog post over on the Purism blog uh, where he is president if i did not mention mm-hmm. that which i don't think i did um i get excited because it's 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 an obvious podcast topic every time <laughs> it's great <laughs> it's um yeah so this time it was about ethical advertising and whether or not that's possible and again there will be a link to that um but yeah let's talk about it uh it's such an interesting topic because again we we kind of been we have been on this journey together right we all came from linux journal to some in some role um and, and that was that was always a, a challenge for us there too, you know, trying to figure out how to measure an audience and measure the success of our articles, but without in, invading anyone's privacy. And I think, you know, we, we've experimented, we've experimented together, Kyle, and I had that conversation many, many times over the years about, you know, how, how to do things with LinuxJournal.com. Um, so yeah, I don't, Kyle, why don't you, you know, tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about, about what you wrote about. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe it'll help if I sort of start with the reason I wrote the blog post and then sort of and maybe talk a little bit about what it what it was about. So we, um, for the most part, the marketing team at Purism, traditionally, uh, what we've been focused on is really like uh, content on our site, things like blog posts, articles, um, community outreach in in. To a, to a degree, like via forums and things like that, and social media uh, outreach. But what we haven't really done a whole lot of has been sort of traditional advertising, like online advertising, I guess, traditional online advertising. We've done a little bit of promotional stuff in terms of we've, we've sponsored um, a couple of people's uh, vlogs and podcasts in the past. Here and there, we've done some, provided some review units, traditional things like that but never really, um, not a lot of advertising. And one of the reasons for that has been when we started looking into doing it, all of these red flags and warning signs and warning bells start ringing for us because the traditional way that you would go about doing one of those things brings all of this horrible, you know, anti-privacy baggage along with it. And I have a background of in direct marketing in the sense that I used to work for a direct marketing firm early on in my career as a sysadmin. And so I was managing all of these systems that did lead generation and and all of these other systems that were managing AdWords and everything else. So I had a a education in that back then uh, that and then went on to do work in other industries. But we were faced here at Purism recently with, we realized, you know, there's 
what we want to do is, is it's very easy for us to be pigeonholed in as we sell, like a lot of people like to say, you sell Linux laptops. And that's, it's true that we sell laptops with Linux on them and, and phones, but that's not who we're targeting necessarily. That's, that's part of our audience, but we're trying to, what we're trying to do is improve freedom, security, and privacy for everybody. And, it, and a lot of our customers are not from a traditional Linux background. They're all over the, the map in terms of demographics, if, since we're talking about advertising here. Uh, all kinds of different interests. They Often they will come to us because they're focused on privacy, like what we're talking about today, or sometimes um, security or other things, or a combination. So the, the challenge is getting the message out to the audience we want to reach with the products that we have that are aimed toward, for them, uh, but not, but so we started thinking, well, we can certainly continue to do word of mouth and the things that we're doing now, which is writing blog posts. But there's a lot of times we will have people that, that come across this. We get feedback from customers and say, well, I just found out about you randomly from, I just happened across some, you know, insert site that happened to be mentioning a blog post that you wrote or something. And they found out about you. And I'm really glad because I was looking for exactly the thing that you're doing. Um, and in particular, people that are looking for alternatives to sort of big tech things. The challenge was how do we, well, so we need to have all of those people. We want all these people that are looking for us to find us. And the traditional way you would do that is you would set up ads. And then in addition to setting up ads on these various platforms, you want, if you're spending money on something like that, you want to have some sense of, well, did it work? Because if it works and you're making more money from the advertising than you're spending, then you tend to want to put more money into it. If you're not making a lot of money, if you're not, uh, if you're spending a lot of money on ads and you're not um, selling enough product in return, then you turn off that fire hose, you know, you don't, you don't want to waste your money or you change what you're doing or whatever. But traditionally that requires a lot of uh, creepy tracking stuff uh, because you want, because the sort of the entire industry is built around monitoring the, the person all the, all the way through the chain, every single thing that they do, and then everything about them. And there's this whole infrastructure behind it. So we started looking into, well, but we do want to see whether our ads worked, but how can we do that in a way that's not creepy? And number one, how do we do that in a way that protects our customer data? What, what little data that our customer would share with us just by visiting our website, we didn't want to ship off to a third party. So that means self-hosting, right? Um, some sort of product that lets you analyze web logs and, and web traffic and just figure out, hey, this person visited our website, looked at these three pages and then bought something from us. Uh, so we wanted to self-host because traditionally, if you're going to do that, you don't self-host. You basically add JavaScript from Google or something, and then they get all of that traffic and they provide you all of these nice metrics automatically, but they also get a, a broader view of the internet than they already have and collect all of that data and store it and combine it with all the other data they have. So we didn't want to do that. So anyway, the blog post was sort of, it's almost like a, like an open letter or like a public me publicly talking about our struggles internally to try to figure out how do we um, provide, how do we advertise to people who, who we think would wanna know about us, but in an ethical way, is it even possible? The kinds, where we are in that journey of coming up with guardrails today, because there's not a lot of guardrails for people who wanna do it ethically. There's, because the industry doesn't seem to be geared toward that for the most part. 
the industry is geared toward the more data you can collect, the better. Here's all the tools to collect the data. And when you use any of these tools, they have everything, all this uh, privacy, anti-privacy data collection on by default for the most part. And you have to really carefully tune stuff to turn all that off. So anyway, yeah, it, it got me thinking and then got me writing about, is this possible? We if we want to do this, we don't want to do it in a way that's going to alienate our existing customers or more importantly, violate our values. And can we? What does that mean? And, and what are the implications of if we come up with guide, guidelines, guardrails for ourselves? What are the implications there? Where are the lines? And, and where do we draw them? And what does it mean to draw them? So a, a, a couple of thoughts here. One is I, 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 love, I love the blog post and how you basically were just sort of thinking out loud. I have a sense also you're talking to your staff with that thing too. Is that right? Yeah, I would assume yeah. so. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, and you have to, I mean, you're, you're externalizing the process you're going through and you're uh, trying to lead and, and you are. One of the problems with, I mean, it, let's take, take the kind of advertising that was advertising in the first place, which is brand, brand advertising. Uh, Procter & Gamble named branding in the early 1930s and borrowed that from the cattle industry. And the idea was that you shouted your name a lot in front of a lot of people and sooner or later they knew it. And most of the brands known to the world are made by brand advertising. It's not personal. It's not tracking based. You're buying ads on the game, you're buying ads on the big news shows, whatever else, but you can't afford to do that, right? And and it's not, uh, I, I think it, in, a, in a more narrow way, I mean, in the old days, you would be able to buy that kind of thing in a Linux journal, for example, you know, or in, or in a business publication or in a security publication or something else like that. But now there are so many channels um, and so many of them are personal, you know, now there's influencer marketing. I was kind of surprised at whether or not you put that in there or not, but basically there you have fans that you pay. And to some degree, it's ethical to the sense, in the sense that, hey, this person really, really likes our stuff. We're just gonna pay them to like it more and to say stuff about it. But, but then again, there's that, um, you know, are you screwing or are you making love? It's not easy to tell. Um, so there's that. Um, and it seems to me where you're going with it and where you've been with it all along is toward where we were trying, we were talking about with Clue Train in 1999, which is markets as conversations. You want more people talking about what you're doing than ever before. And that's, it is word of mouth, but it's kind of writ large and, and digital. I, it's interesting to me that you said something in your post. You made this interesting distinction between the utopia you would like to be in and the dystopia that is all of social media where a lot of people hang out. I mean, that's, you know, it's the, the shopping malls of the world actually are in some ways, I mean, thinking of the ways people go to malls and hang out are, um, are Facebook and, you know, and Google's less social, but Facebook's the big one and you're active in Facebook. Am I wrong about that? You're there. We, we are. Yeah. We have, we have accounts on all of those. We have corporate accounts on all of those for that, yeah. for that reason, what we call it dystopia internally, but because <laughs> it's a great name. I love it. It's because, you know, we, while we feel like we live in utopia, the people that, that already know about us, the people that are in utopia with us already know about us. We don't need to tell them what we're doing They, If they're interested, they follow our blog or follow what we're doing or they are possibly customers, but all the people we don't, are not already you likely using, say, Mastodon or 
using you know any of these alternatives to what we're what we call dystopia so it's sort of like i mean there's there's 50 metaphors you could use you could use the preaching to the choir metaphor or you could you know if you use a religious metaphor if you're just converting the people that are inside your church or temple right um you're you're not really reaching the people you're already talking to people that already know about you you know yeah right do you have a discord or you in... them out where they are yeah are you involved with discord at all we don't have a discord channel we have a we have a we use matrix for chat mm -hmm. there and okay, again that's, that's another example another of it's self-hosted and everything yeah just yeah yeah so something i've noticed and and this is a sample of one but it it has been interesting to me that there are a couple of forums that i'm in groups they call them in facebook that are very very specialized but have commercial value i would think for some companies one is the broadcast engineers forum. Okay, so the broadcast engineers has about 14,000 people in it. They're all broadcast engineers. These are people who buy heavy, heavy, heavy iron. I mean, truly big iron that broadcasts out million watt signals on TV and 50,000 watt signals on radio. And I've, I've fooled with my, adver my advertising controls in Facebook every once in a while to see, will anybody advertise to me because I'm here? I've never seen any ads there at all. <laughs> I've tried making ads appear there and they haven't uh there's another one called um i take pictures of transmitter sites where i'm i'm i do this I, it, it doesn't matter why it, i could go into that <laughs> basically it's a dying it's a dying industry and in that's in in some ways but um so i'm kind of chronicling that i've always been a broadcast uh, engineering freak and and that also has like fifteen thousand people on it and that's a market and nobody's nobody seems to be advertising in it and there's i i'm busy buying cameras i'm buying lenses and things like that and that's one place i would think that facebook would know something but it doesn't and i don't know why that is i mean i one thought i have is that it's really not built as well as it could be or maybe if it, it would be you would be as you put it though you didn't use this term in your piece you're in the uncanny valley being creeped out all the time because oh my god they've got me a, they've got a bullseye on me but if i'm in in the broadcast professionals forum or the broadcast yeah the yeah you know, the broadcast engineering forum and i'm seeing ads for dielectric antennas and that's a company or or eri antennas or nautel transmitters i'm not feeling very personally uh advertised to that's just i just see that as in the old days we'd see that as a sponsor of the publication instead it's just you know, I don't sense anybody sponsoring Facebook, though, in a way they are. It's a different kind of thing. People sponsor public radio and they get like, you know, um, virtue washing from that, right? Because they're, mm -hmm. they're, on, they're on NPR and people like NPR and it's nonprofit. But Facebook's a profit-making company and it's, mind, it's not mindful of who's advertising on it at all because they have too many advertisers. But I'm wondering if you looked into that at all, is it like having going after the groups there or if it's even possible? I don't, well, I don't even know how that works. Well, and that's here's the other thing though that there's there's challenges in if we every time we use targeting which if you're going to advertise to someone on the on these platforms you typically there's some level of demographic data that you're yeah. you say that you're after if you do that then at least some people in our community would argue well you're feeding that machine yeah. because yeah. you're it's for it to function it has to then collect right. all of this data about someone which requires them to track everybody and then to show them the ads which is different from 
you know, like things that you've talked about in the past with, with advertising based on, I'm going to a, I'm reading a magazine that's about a topic and, the, and I'm advertising something on this topic. And therefore the people that are, the gr people that are in that um, medium are, you know, are all have a similar interest. Like, cause I'm not specifically, I don't need to track anyone to do that. Yeah. I mean, we've even had discussions. In, so in addition to uh, doing this, this blog post, every time we do a blog post, we also in our forum, we will link to it and then have that be our discussion. So instead of having a comment thread underneath a blog post, we feel like our forum is a good forum to uh, discuss our articles. So I, we always do a, a post. And so this way, this, in this case, we also use it as to solicit feedback from our interested, you know, members of our community, what they thought about what we had said so far. Um, and some people did draw a red line on, you should not advertise with Google or Facebook because yeah. in doing so, right. you're mm -hmm. giving them money. And by giving them right. money, you're there for funding. The it's sort of like, a, like an embargo yeah. or a boycott, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't want to feed Sauron that's <laughs> <laughs> doing that. Sorry, one of the things that, that I think, you know, Facebook misses out on though, and I get, you know, it doesn't fit within their broader vision of the way they do ad, ad targeting, but I think they're missing, they're missing out on the fact that you can't just buy a placement in X, you know, radio community. That's not a thing that you can do. You can only go through the creepiest form where you have to define these audiences in this very granular way, yeah. rather than just say, you know, go old school and buy, you know, I want to buy an ad that faces the article in this magazine that's about, you know, the topic that my audience is interested in. And well, that, that is possible, but it's just not done. Well, and it's a little bit easier in search in the sense that you you can target you know keywords and search terms and things that might so right. so you're showing answer? someone a picture of of your laptop you're showing I'm telling someone about the laptop because they look for a big tech alternative or something like that you know mm -hmm. so you can do things like that to where you, at least but but then again you also know that there's a machine behind it in addition to them picking your ad because it hit the keywords there's all of this other stuff that Google is tracking right. yeah so it's a it's a difficult line that's but but at the same time if we're wanting to reach people who don't know about us, who aren't already part of the, the you could call it that what we're in a bubble perhaps of knowing about all of these alternatives. If you're trying to tell someone that an alternative exists, how can you do it without doing it on the platform that they're already on? You know, I mean, and that's something that we're struggling with trying to figure it out. I mean, we, we, have, we have posted ads on Google and Facebook in the, in the past and in other places. And I'm sure we will in the future, at least, unless for some reason we decide that we can't ethically or something, if that, if that's where our guardrails, but I don't think that it will be. What about brave? Have you advertised that brave does it differently? It's, you know, I don't believe the, we have there, but yeah, that's one to explore. Separate, I think DuckDuckGo yeah. does it a little bit differently. Like yeah. the, there's, there's certainly other platform, platforms, but that's the thing you could, I guess you could argue that at least for example, if you're advertising on brave, the audience who already decided to pick brave, is mm -hmm. part of the target audience who yeah. cares about privacy or cares about the things that Brave is touting, and therefore they might be a good audience to tell about our stuff. Um, so there's an argument there, but then there's also a "what about everybody else" kind of thing. Who yeah. are you? Yeah, yeah. Who are Brave you? Brave seems like out? an obvious, uh, an obvious audience, but the Brave thing is interesting to me. So I use the Brave mobile browser um, a lot. It's, it's my default browser, um, but the way that they do advertising is both. I think it's fairly ethical 
Um, but it's also a little bit annoying. <laughs> I got to completely honestly, it's, you know, because it's a, it's a pop-up kind of like a notification. It's not, I am, as I've used it, you know, I've gotten used to it. It's no big deal. You swipe it away and it goes away. Um, but it isn't, you know, it, do, it doesn't track you in the same way. So that's, that's the angle. So you kind of, you give up a little bit in usability. It's not a big, it's not a huge ask, honestly, but, but it is tiny bit more annoying than just, you know, a, a passive ad that you might scroll past. But, but, you know, but I'm willing, you know, I'm very willing to participate in it just because, you know, I see the benefit. Yeah. Well, and, and another thing that we started looking into was how much, um, like how many of these knobs do we turn off? And most of them we mm -hmm. want to probably turn off. But for example, UTM links is a common thing where right. there are ways to do it that, and I, I mentioned this in the blog that are kind of like giving someone a coupon code that's targeted to whatever radio show they're advertising on or the billboard or whatever. Yeah. So that the, the, the company knows, okay, well, this customer came from this thing, you know, right. and you can use UTM links at the end of a, of an ad or, or a social media post or whatever, kind of like that, you know, where you can just add, this came from this platform for this ad campaign or but these, these are, these are the kind of links that are, they're, they're not hard to figure out. They're just, you see them appended to the end, you know, yeah. like on, on um, we, we do these all the time on, on Floss Weekly, you know, you know, slash, you know, slash name of sponsor slash twit, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, but a lot of what you see at the end of, of a URL is a, the little question mark and then a whole, a whole hash of alphanumerics. Garbage. That is basically you. Yeah, <laughs> you <know>? exactly. And, <laughs> So, and, and yeah, and that's <laughs> where we would draw the line. And that's the problem with that is like, there's there for all of these tools, there are a way, there's a way to do probably a way to do it. That's not creepy and doesn't track people. Um, but the default's not that the default is let's give everyone a random hash that identifies them individually. So you can track that person um, and correlate that with everything else about them potentially. And then you know track them as they move around the web and yeah we, and of course we certainly don't want to do that so we have to turn all of that we turn all of that off um so yeah so there's a i said earlier that you know you um you can't afford to do the big brand advertising but there, there is a a kind of advertising that um maybe you're doing it um i don't know but i mean but basically um you know red ads on podcasts like this one you know, I mean, I'm not pitching this one because we don't have any advertising here, but I, there is an advertiser on Floss. It's an old friend um, who tells me that the, not, not on Floss, but rather I'm sorry, on Twit, um, tells me by far that's the most leveraged advertising they do. In fact, it's about the only advertising they do. They just, they, they're on, they're on podcasts and live shows on, on Twit and Leo, who does an amazing job of just reading out loud and sounding very sincere. Mm -hmm. um, uh you know, it, it, it's extremely leveraged for them. And, you know, I'm wondering if you could find something because what's happened to radio is it's turned into podcasts. That's, I mean, podcasts are eating radio alive and nobody wants, I mean, there's, there are ads on Pandora, which I hate, but I'm not paying for Pandora. So I put up with them. Um, but I, it seems to me that's maybe a relatively low budget way to just get the brand name out in front of some people with a little testimonial edge to it. Yeah. Well, in, in, that has also has the benefit of having no concerns about targeting. You know, that's, that's right. simply just, like you said, just providing a brand. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you talk about brand because we even, we already have this internal 
design guideline, like ethical branding guideline from our design team that yeah. dictates how we brand our products. Mm-hmm. So all of our products, you know, one of the things you'll notice if you look at them is there's no obvious brand on the back. The, most laptops, they put something yeah. on the back. So, you know, um, we intentionally <laughs> try to minimize our branding as much as possible. So, so you can find a brand for us, but it's at the very bottom of the laptop, just so that you know that that's the kind of laptop you have. Yeah, we are at least, you know, I remember all the Linux laptops, you turn them over and it says how it shows how it's been designed for Windows. That's the thing it was, you always saw on the bottom there. And it has the little, you know, even the ones that were customized, like the the Lenovo's and before that, the the ThinkPads, you know, and yeah, used to get those from Linux Journal, you know, <laughs> as a deal for the, as part of the advertising deal. Um, but I, I had a question, but go ahead, Catherine, uh, because I just, I had a brain cramp. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I know. I was just thinking of the, the, I was thinking of the, you know, the discount code thing. I, you know, I thought we should, I was making a semi serious oh, funny, but we should, uh, we should I actually, one of the funnies I thought of is, <laughs> is, um, you know, I mean, you're always seeing Apple or Dell or HP or something else doing product placement, right. You know, mm, and oh, yeah, on, all over. on, 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 on movies and things. But it'd be kind of cool if the ones that you don't recognize that look generic have to be purism, right? If, if you're not yeah. seeing, like, <laughs> if, you're not, if, if you're not seeing something glowing on the back of the uh, on the right. back of the, the laptop like, lid, it must be. <laughs> there's no way all the, so many people really use Dell. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just Sorry, just a thought. Dell, but yeah. um, <laughs> well, and, but, but, yeah. but but maybe for the spy, you know, spy thrillers and stuff like that, yeah. that that would be. An oh interesting yeah, thing. that would be a good purism placement. Yeah. Um, just as an aside. Since we actually, we don't do any advertising or we haven't yet. I mean, never say never, but we haven't done it on this podcast. And so you'd actually know that when we're enthusiastic, when we talk about something, it's actually real. <laughs> I really actually do use Brave yeah. on a mobile browser. I, mean, I have a Purism ad, laptop. This is an ad for Purism. Like, uh, this, it sort of it's supports totally your, not, but your, we, your we contention anyway. that everything may be advertising if people are talking about <laughs> it. The, the thing is, it has to do a little bit with ill intent. You know, I mean, what... What moral compromises are you making? The, the Adbusters magazine, which may still exist, I don't know, they were the people, or at least some of the people behind the Occupy movement a few years back. You know, they kind of started the, the, the Occupy Wall Street thing, but they were, they started with the all advertising is bad. That's where they come from. If it's advertising, it is therefore bad. And I always felt that kind of moral misgiving when I was in the business and, and you may have had a similar feeling when you were in the direct marketing business. It's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm operating in this area where people put up with it and we're trying to improve the media environment a little bit. Uh, so we're going to do artful stuff, but um, we know people basically don't like it. Uh, I, I know that even with podcasts, when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm looking at the phone and I'm hitting that little thing that says plus 30 seconds as soon as the break comes up mm-hmm. most of the time you know, if I can, uh, very few exceptions to that. Um, but there is this kind of a gray area, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even when I was in the industry, they, you know, the, where I worked touted themselves as, as operating with ethics mm-hmm. because they didn't do the things that the truly unethical digital marketers were doing. <laughs> Unambiguously like, unethical, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, for, like in their case, the, the red line was spam, and what they call breakage, which is, you know, like when you, um, well, in spyware and things like that, like adware, like they wouldn't, but, but there's, you know, cause there were other firms that are doing that, but they wouldn't intentionally spam and they did those things. So everyone worked there said, yeah, well, we are doing ads 
and we are doing lead generation and, and kind of ruining search results by um, SEO stuff, uh, you know, by manipulating SEO so that our lead generation technically writing content, but kind of not, um, mm. gets picked up first for a search query, you know? Uh, and yeah, I mean, after, at the, by the time I left, I started seeing those footprints everywhere on the internet that I would go. Uh, you know, I would use search mm. pages and like, why are, why is my, why are these, uh, search results not that relevant? Oh, it's because they've been gamed, uh, for, by all of these places that then there's big money to be made. And if, if they didn't, if they did get good placement on a search result um, naturally, uh, and it wasn't an ad-based site, like it wasn't funded by marketing to do so, it wouldn't be very long until someone would come and buy that site from the person, you know? I mean, I, I see that even from one of my uh, wife's old personal blogs that she had running for a long time, that she wrote in, intentional, really good content because she's a good writer, and it would get good search placement. And every so often we would both have the people that want to link farm the game Google, you know, hey, could you, I post a blog on your site and link all of this stuff. But then also people that wanted to, to do, basically acquire the site so that they could then, you know, take the search landing pages and then add, you know, add whatever uh, links that they wanted to or lead generation they wanted to. You know, I, I'm reminded, um... I just looked her up because she's still out there. Um, back, I don't know when it was, but I was invited by Sydney McCaffrey, who was like one of the first employees at Google. And I think like it ended up being like the number five stockholder in Google in the beginning. But she, she brought me in to meet the people, the geeks who are working on advertising. And there were four guys in four cubicles in one room. And that's when Google had all of their search advertising was a column on the right side that was in plain text. Mm -hmm. And there was an auction model behind it where, and a kind of a combination of click-through ranking and auction rate ranking. Like, uh, so even if you paid the most, if you got fewer click-throughs, you weren't necessarily at the top, but there was none of the, none of the sponsored stuff that was over the search results. So you, there was no confusion of advertising with search results. And they were talking very ethically, like they were, this is, this is all about, you know, you search for something and it's very clear what's advertising and what's not. The stuff on the right is advertising. It looks like classified ads. We're never going to have images in there. That at least is a promise they've kept. There have never been any images in the ads, but, but they made it very clear that, that there was this column on the right that was the advertising. And then gradually, you know, the more sponsored stuff turned up on the top and then they got rid of the column on the right. I don't know when that was, probably more than a decade ago. But there's been this ratcheting off in this other direction, which one can understand because they, you know, basically, and, and this is this is maybe worth talking about, may not be, but I have this theory that it's sort of like, you know, it's it's part of like the power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. It's kind of like, Data does what data does, and not even data, digital technology does what digital technology does, but all digital, absolute digital technology digitizes absolutely so that, I mean, everything is digital now. I mean, this is this is like the fundamental fact of life. I, I, we, we were just in a bunch of different cities. The last one was, was um, um, Asheville, North Carolina. And there are for lease signs, commercial space for lease everywhere. Nobody's going back. 
to a lot of these places because they're doing what we're doing right now. We're home and we're talking to each other from our home places and people don't want to go into work. They don't, they don't want to go to an office at a cubicle. You know, Elon Musk is busy splitting a gut right now because his employees don't want to come back. And that's just one small part of this, but part of them, part of what, what happened with advertising is, and I didn't see this coming and, and I should have, we all should have, which is that we can't avoid the, the temptation to account for everything. I mean, the fact that, oh my gosh, we can do stuff with advertising allows us to know what everybody's doing. Why would we not want all this data? Why would we not want all this stuff? Because we want to, we know we want to maximize what we can do and we'll go to any means possible. And it doesn't seem to do any harm. And we can, it's sort of like the powers of rationalization are, are infinitized if that's a, if that's a verb. You know, and you guys are kind of like a bulwark against that, but there's a small one over here you know, yeah. <laughs> rather than, than mm -hmm. one in the middle. But you are kind of a rock in a stream that's flowing strongly in, in one direction still. I was looking at that, how much is being spent on digital advertising going up and up and up. And Augustine Fu, who's been on this show three or four times, has said over and over again, here's how much fraud is in here. Here's how much malware is in here. Yeah, and the entire industry ignores him, mocks him yeah. even. I mean, he's an outcast at this point. And he's going nuts because of it. I mean, and I don't blame him. It, um, but anyway, I just wanted to share that because I sort of watched what happened to Google from between four guys in a room and, and the juggernaut that we have now, which is not just Google, it's the entire industry. It's not just big tech. There are thousands of companies in this business. Well, and the thing is to do things ethically, you have to be willing to leave money on the table and you have to yeah. be willing to not be 100% effective. You know, the, those ads that were on the side were perhaps more ethical, but they're not as effective as interspersing and, them because they, because some people will frankly be tricked into thinking it's a legitimate result and click on it. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, and that becomes right. the idea and you can yeah. rationalize that and you see, oh my God, I got better results out of this. And the customer got better results out of this. Shoot. You know, there we go. We're just going to stick with that. And, and you've got giant companies, you know, and then Amazon buying up pretty much every noun and verb in the world. And as soon as you, you know, I mean, you know, if you look up my name and you get a chance that, you know, there, there are ads in there for whatever I had something to do with mostly the, you know, Amazon and a book, you know, but it's there. They, 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 they advertise my name, right? You know, there's a keyword out there. That's my name that they're going to, that they pay for, you know, somebody clicks on that and they pay for it. And something I kind of wanted to extend from you, you brought up the idea of all of these things moving from sort of a physical space into a digital space and how that's, you know, and yeah. that enabled all of this. But what's been interesting, I think, as well, is now that we have a decade or a couple decades of this digital form of advertising and all of the data collection that that has gone along with it, it's been interesting to see that now attempt to be adapted into the physical world again. Uh, right, I know horribly. Mm -hmm. TV, cool. oh, every TV is spying on you. Yeah, from right. what I understand, well, tracking beacons. They stores. all come. They all come with. They all have Linux inside. They are Linux computers, and in those Linux computers is spyware. You know, Not Consumer TVs, Reports yeah. gives every TV maker a C or a, you know, like a, a low, a, a not great mark for privacy because they are all spying on you. And and they yeah. all will because otherwise they would leave money on the table. You know, they've, they've said as much, they've admitted that they would have to charge more money for a non-smart, for a dumb TV. Yeah. Because the revenue for the smart TV is now starting to eclipse 
the revenue for selling the hardware itself. Right. And if what you have, things, yeah, good. Sorry. Oh, what about things like, so, you know, I'm not an expert at this, but tracking beacons in actual physical retail stores. My understanding is oh, that, that they, too, yeah. they actually suck up, they suck up identifying device information about everybody who comes in and out and they can, they can track people's movement that way and correlate it with all the other treasure trove of data out there. Well, and um, exactly. learn a lot of information. Exactly. And that, that's, that, that's exactly what I, why I wanted to bring this up because 30 years ago, if you mentioned that you're going to do that, like now we hear that they're doing that and we and other reasonable people kind of go up in arms like that's, that's creepy. Um, mm -hmm. And 30 years ago, everybody would conclude that's not even a possible thing that you would do, not because yeah. of the technology is not there, but because no one would go for it. It's not yeah. acceptable. It's not Massive. ethical. Yeah. But now it's considered ethical because we've are, because someone's able to um, rationalize by saying, well, but it's no different than you go yeah. into a digital storefront and look at all the stuff. We're just basically taking what you can do in a digital storefront and getting this, trying to collect the same data that say Amazon collects about you when you visit Amazon and buy something from them. Yeah, but is that true though? I mean, it, I, I think that, I almost wonder if we're the ones becoming desensitized. So I gave a presentation recently to a group of women in technology. This is a very highly technical audience. There were, you know, cybersecurity experts and experts in various fields. Um, and, you know, people with, you know, great titles at great companies doing great work. And I started talking about certain things like tracking beacons and stores and, and other things. And, and I, you know, I went into a little bit of detail about the various ways and, and the and amounts of personal data that, that, uh, you know, advertisers and con these consumer score companies are, are, are collecting data brokers all of that and I saw some really wide eyes and I think that I think the vast majority of people still really have no clue they would never the people walking through the door at Target or um, you know their grocery store wherever they're going I don't think they consider that there is a device in there sucking up literally like identifying their phone you know, grabbing, you know, I'm not exactly sure how much or what data, but certainly location data, some sort of identifying identifier, a Mac address, maybe. Um, and all of that stuff is just, is, is there for the taking and is, and is taken. And well, I yeah, think it surprises think, most people. I think it's because so much of the focus on all of, on, on privacy issues has, has been aimed at big tech and big tech alone, that it's, it's starting to change in terms of the reporting now that there's been basically just because there's been enough interest in the population about reading about big tech privacy abuses that some journalists are, are moving off of that into other topics like what's the what what infrastructure beyond say Google and Facebook are feeding this and all the data brokers and all of that business mm -hmm. which is even shadier in many cases yeah. and um, secretive yeah and secretive and that's the thing is it's all very secretive and shady and that's finally, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, that one, that one case where um, you could purchase data to find out who's using Grindr, you know, Grindr location yeah. data and all that stuff, right? Planned Parenthood. We talk, yeah, yeah, we talked about that in the past. And there's now starting to be stories about that. So it's starting to, to get into an average person's awareness if they're reading about yeah. these issues. But I still think a lot of people, like you said, even, even edu well-educated ed people who are probably aware of and, and could like recite off a lot of the big tech privacy abuses aren't aware of just how ubiquitous it is everywhere now because everyone right. is following this model of well if i'm going to market i need to have as much data as possible the more data the better um and i just yeah. need to, and now i have all of, and all of the tools are built to collect it all 
the data broker thing. That's a whole, I mean, we could do a whole show about that, but in yeah. researching, you know, for this, this presentation, I learned things that I didn't know. I didn't realize that data brokers were selling lists of, of people with various diseases, people who are HIV positive. They're selling lists of rape victims. They're selling lists of abuse survivors. I mean, it's shocking, shocking. Yeah. And I, I don't think, you know, the vast majority of consumers would accept that if they were aware of it. And, and many states actually sell, you know, um, hunting and fishing license data, um, DMV data. I mean, it's, this stuff is for sale all over the place. And, and the data brokers have been using that stuff for a long time. Uh, there's a, there was enormous data leakage just out in the, in the physical world before we even had the digital one. And that also, you know, helps them rationalize doing more of the same. Um, it, it's pretty sad, <laughs> yeah. but, um, and I think what most people do, um, again, you know, it, it, it's not just the average person, but lots of smart people. It's like, they've given up. It's kind of like, I'm screwed. I know I'm screwed. I have no, I have, I have no privacy. I don't have, I have no expectation of privacy. I'm just bopping along here. You know, I've, I've asked people, but do you hit the accept when the accept button comes up on a website? Yeah, usually I do. You guys just want to get it out of the way. You know, yeah. I don't want to have to go in and customize anything because they have no faith, even if they bother to customize it, that it would do anything. Yeah. Of course, you have no record of it. There's a record is somewhere else with some third party you don't know that was hired by the website. Well, and especially because there was a longstanding practice among spammers, right, that the unsubscribe, like before there was some some of the stronger legislation that's going on now about it, but they, people would say, don't click unsubscribe because then it confirms the email address is legit. And then right. it will get sold to someone as this is an active email that's actually being monitored. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, you let scam likely ring through for the same reason. And when you get a call from scam likely, you know, that, I mean, that's, I'm told to do that. And sometimes I don't because I'm doing something like this. Like if it rang right now, I'd probably just hit, you know, off, you know, because mm -hmm. it'll, you know, this is, it's dinner time. So I'm likely to get a scam call. Yeah. Oh. That reminds me, speaking of creepy targeted advertising, I got a really hilarious one, which shows how all of this stuff really, really just in the end doesn't work. Um, I got a call from somebody trying to sell me private jet service. And I'm like, what list am I on? Because you've got it way wrong here. Anyway, <laughs> it's kind of like we, we joke about, you know, uh, car companies trying to sell us a car right after we bought one or, or uh, people trying to sell us an, another uh, third can opener when we already have. <laughs> A six or, you know, I don't know. It's just funny. One of the, the, the best counter argument against all of that stuff is that the, the overhead involved in trying to manage all that data and trying to do all that spying is really quite high. And um, my favorite counter example in the retail world is, is Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is probably the most loved grocery retailer in the country, and they do none of that. They have no, they pride themselves in having minimal marketing. They have a, they have a float in the Rose Parade and they have a, you know, a flyer that's an opt-in flyer that's in the physical domain. Um, uh, I've been reading the, the, the book by um, Joe Colum, who's the guy who's founded Trader Joe's. He is Trader Joe. He's gone now, but um, his, his, he compiled this book before he died or, and it's put together with the aid of a, somebody else, but the, what he called advertising was when he used to go on the classical station and talk about wine, you know, 
but and that was what he, all he did. He just get on there for thirty seconds or, or sixty seconds and talk about wine between, you know, between classical recordings on the classical station in Los Angeles. Um, but that wasn't, re- you know, that's really just kind of, you know, promotion. And but they don't even do that anymore. And 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 the president of Trader Joe's told me that, um, and I put this in the in in the intention economy that they save an enormous amount of money by not doing that. It's one of the reasons they have low prices. And I think every time I go to CVS or I go to Kroger or any of these places that that well, they've got two different prices for the people who are loyal and the people who are not and their loyalty is entirely coerced. And they ask you your phone number on the way out if you don't have the hang tag on your car keys. You know, I mean, that the cost of that is enormous and the and and the coupons you get are ridiculous. They're just for the the thing you just bought, you know, and, and almost always for the thing you just bought. It's insane. And and it, re- it requires too much cognitive overhead on the receiving end and on the selling end. It slows things down at the cash register. It's stupid. And but it's like we get all this data because but, you know, it's only the data weenies that get anything out of that. It's not it's not the customer. It's not the person at the cash register. It's not the person stocking the shelves, any of that. But it's de rigueur in the industry. They all do it and they all job it out to third parties that you know that charge them many millions of dollars a year in order to keep the systems running so you're saving on that <laughs> it's true i mean and and that's the thing is that we have saved a lot of money over the years by not investing in all of that stuff um and 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 again because the other reason was if we wanted to see whether it was worth it we would have to do all this creepy stuff and so can we do something like what is the something that we can do if we to reach people that isn't creepy and then then what and then how do we figure out what's creepy and and if we it's better to have the guardrails set up before you start doing too much in a space because otherwise it's really easy to compromise those guardrails later uh and so sort of like the the post was to start the conversation and then i i have an action item of my own to then follow up later with what our actual policies are what are mm-hmm. where are our red lines for doing this um, what will we absolutely not do? What is okay? And what is a judgment call depending on the situation? Yeah, I mean, you you are operating on the better mousetrap principle, right? You know, that, you know, you're, you're, you're doing a better job, you've got better stuff. And I mean, that's part of that's basically the basic thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the red line is we won't make shit. <laughs> you know, that's the the main red line. You know, we're just keeping we're going to keep making this thing better and better, and and try to do right by our, ourselves and our customers. And you know, and and that tends to work generally. You know, that tends to especially as you grow, word spreads. Yeah, well, I I mean more along the lines of, for example we won't uh, attempt to identify customers that, that come to us through these, or people that come to us through any of these means. We won't try to collect extra data about them or even, right. you know, and, and then even things like, I, I drew a red line early on about that tracking pixel that emails typically have to make sure right. that you opened it, you know? Yeah. And, and that was when, at least for me, that that crossed the border of I. I always found those creepy, and I early on blocked those. I never opened them. Um, I had I had my mail client do that for me, but mm. um, they're scam likely. There you go, right there. See scam likely. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's dinner time. 
No, and, let it um, ring. Let it ring. We can take a and, break. And we can, <laughs> don't, I, don't let them I, know you're real. <laughs> it's, but I don't even know. I can slide to answer. I can slide to answer. This is, is life imitating art right here. Oh my Stay God. in. I can send it a message. There's nothing I can say. I can just hang up on it. See, wow. normally this no, is no, something you would to... cut, but this is something that has to be. Has no, to no, I have to leave it. It's perfect. <laughs> it really happened. Wow. It's, you know, now I get the little message as a missed call on your phone, you know, and I. I didn't miss it. And, well, and I haven't I, you know, really I generally, been missing it, Bob. And I don't, <laughs> I mean, I have this sound on on both the computer and on my phone because when my wife calls or my daughter calls or somebody calls, I don't want to miss it. And I go to so many meetings and things where I turn the thing off. Right. And, but I should have turned it off before the show, <laughs> but now we have a feature. <laughs> well, you know, another, another thing that this brought up for us is even um, like, like the tracking pixel is a great example of this. So a tracking pixel, you know, the, the little pixel that's in an email to see if you read it, but there's also nowadays, now that, every time you open a web page, you're actually executing software on your client um, that's then talking to the server uh, via JavaScript. There's all of these capabilities that advertisers often take advantage of and websites take advantage of to track every single thing that you do while you're visiting the website. You know, yeah. did you scroll down? How long did you, you know, all of that stuff. I know, stuff. It's, like, it's awful. It's all there, you know, it's like there. All that stuff, right? And, and we think about it and we're like, yeah, that's, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. But then you also have to draw the line because all the tools are there. They, all that stuff is on because they assume you want to collect all of that. If you're going to enable any kind of metrics gathering, uh, all of that stuff is on. So then you have to say, well, where is the line? How, because, and, and what do you base that off of? So for example, I would assume the data that I could collect with a web log is fair game. I can mm. see an IP address that lo loaded this web page, the IP address at this time, and then this web page, and then this web page, and and intuit things based on that. That's probably okay, um, but then software that then is seeing what everyone's looking at and clicking on and hovering over and considering and and all of that seems like it's crossing the line to me. And I don't know how many other people feel that way. And, you know, and how many of our customers would feel like their privacy is being violated if when they're on our property, they're being watched. But again, that goes back to the storefront, right? We consider right. it creepy if a camera is following us throughout the store and saying, and logging, they picked up this item, then they put it down, then they picked up this item and put it in their cart. And then all of that, we would consider that creepy if a store did it. And is it less creepy yeah. if it's a weblog storing? I don't know. Interesting. I mean, when I was, uh, my first job out of college, um, was working in a, in a, in a big department store in New Jersey. And I was actually running a department, something I had no business doing, but I got the job and I was so over my head, but they had people all over the store that were the security people that, that were spying on people. You know, they pretended to be customers and they also had the one-way glass up high above the, um, above the floor here and there where they'd be up there and they'd be looking out to, to spy on people. But they're only looking for, you know, shoplifters. It was the entire thing. They were, they were not doing anything other than that. They kind of got a different situation here. My feeling is that if it feels creepy, it probably is. Yeah. You know, so if it makes you uncomfortable, don't, you know, it's, uh, you know, and that, 
but the question for me is, you know, if, if you're ad busters, you're saying, well, it is, all advertising is bad. I'm not sure it is actually. I think some of it's okay. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd be curious oh, yeah. to get re responses from the audience. Has this been helpful? Because I think, I mean, you've, I, I love that you've been struggling with this, you know, because, and, and, and I'm curious about this. Are there people in the company or on your staff that are basically taking the position that we really need to go for some of this stuff? I come from advertising, they say, and we, we have to, this is how we do it. We actually, you know, the advertising today is all about tracking people. Or do you just not have those people on staff, which, you know, we don't have you may anyone. not be able to answer that very easily, but I, I don't know. I can't necessarily <laughs> answer it super easily, but we, I, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, how's, how's this? We wouldn't attract anyone right. who would be yeah. that gung-ho <laughs> about doing all those things. Right. But, yeah. but if, if you are doing stuff in marketing, then you have a background where you're, where you're exposed to all of this stuff. And if you're exposed to something, it's easy to become like that your spidey sense gets numb, you know, yeah, because yeah, it's, yeah. if everything, if it's, it's no longer unusual, it's commonplace, if everything's commonplace. And so you can, and that's one of the reasons why, like I'm bringing up, does it, like, I like the idea of if it's Phil creepy, it probably is, but then again, you know, is it based simply on my sensibilities about things, which maybe are enough, but that's also why I kind of opened it up uh, to our community that we already have to say, okay, well, this is sort of where I'm going with this. And this is what feels creepy to me, but what feels creepy to you? And what, where would your red line be? Now, someone else's red line may be way more extreme than I'm willing to go. Like saying, you know, anything that might, like, for example, if you say you cannot give Google money, like, okay, I can see your point, but what about all of the, what about, what if I give money to someone else who then also funds Google through their actions, you know? So you could look at it, it's sort of like embargoes, yeah. right? Like we have embargoes against Russia right now. Um, but it yeah. extends not just to us, a company directly or an individual directly sending money there, but through intermediaries as well. That's interesting. I, I think it occurs to me that it's, it's a the ethical lines are a little like the ones around flirting. You know, I mean, you, you want to, you want to talk with this person, you want to attract them, you know, what, what do you do? You know, I mean, it, it's like, um, probably not follow them home, probably not follow them home, but maybe Just say hi, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Just don't um, do you know, maybe strike up a conversation, um, you know, but, it, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's like that. I mean, it, as soon as you're flirting, you're, I mean, in a, in a, in a, between two two human beings in in a in the physical world, it's there's that there's that gray area in the middle, right? Where <laughs> where do you go? And that's kind of I mean, I imagine advertising is a little bit like flirting. Yeah. Yeah. So well, like the line between politeness and attraction, and then something. Yeah. You know, some something is is more acceptable if it's if if it's reciprocated or whatever, I guess. So yeah, you know, and, yeah. And otherwise, like it's signal back. You know, and if it's not, then it's immediately bad. You know, so yeah. Or could or you know if it, yeah if it's unwarranted. So for example, like you. Well, I mean, but then again, that's the same argument that advertisers have made starting in you know like in the '90s, which is the reason that you hate ads is because they're not relevant. If I showed you an oh, ad, that was a, a great you, point. Yeah, if I showed you yeah. an ad for something you wanted then you would be fine with it. 
right? It's sort it's sort of the similar thing with like if if you're flirting with someone who actually finds you attractive, then it's then it's more acceptable kind of. I don't know, but yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, yeah, going back to the ads, like yeah, there's a sense of if you like if all we have to do is make these ads relevant, and no one will want to block them anymore. They will want to watch yeah. them. You know, everything yeah. will be like the Super Bowl, where everyone apparently gets super excited about watching advertisements. Um, the, you know, there's a sense that that's that's the future. If only we could collect that extra little bit of data that would make it extra relevant and, and only show you exactly what you want to buy. But I actually hear that. I hear that a lot from people. But I like the ads to be more relevant, um, which I always thought, you know, I thought, wait, they, they, they believe that line? Oh, wait, is it scam likely? Is, no, it's not. Oh, it's real. <laughs> this is, okay. this is my I'm still wife. leaving it because um, it's funny. Um, and on that hang, note. Hang on a second. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to yell something upstairs. I don't know if she can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally not I, editing. I'm, I'm in the basement in case you can't tell, you know, so yeah. it's. Uh, <laughs> this is real life, people. <laughs> you would see the oil burner over there if this thing was turned that way. Um, so and she's upstairs, but I think she probably just put something fresh on the table. And yeah. I yeah. sent a note to, to you, Catherine, saying, yeah, I got to I got to leave yeah. soon after the hour. So, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> so OK, that's... so. Uh, so, yeah. So I think we've we've pretty well covered. Um, yeah. How, how to I, try to avoid the creepiness. Yeah. And, and I, um, I was going to say, I, I really like that last point, whatever it was that got erased as soon as the call came in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, oh, oh the, you making... only like, you only dislike ads because they're not relevant enough. Oh, that's the, yeah, the relevant that thing. The, 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 the euphemism behind that, it, that, that it's relevant and it's interest-based and it's interactive. They use all these things rather than it's tracking-based. It, you know, never, nobody, nobody on the advertising side wants to call it tracking. It's always personalized. You know, do you, all, want, yeah, do you want to give up relevant always. advertising? Do you really, you don't, you don't want relevant advertising? It's a service to you. Yeah. It's yeah. A, We're doing a, you a favor. Yeah. Let, let me give you some cookies. They're delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I remember. The beacon is nothing is but a lighthouse to save you from the storm. I remember the, the, the <laughs> tobacco industry, um, when it was defending itself back in the 60s, said it's an adult custom. Smoking is an adult custom. You know what? what? Nobody ever called it that. <laughs> you know? it's a weird it, way to put it. It's it's an addictive thing that in some cases is a pleasure, but mostly just get hooked on. And you know, anyway. Okay. Well, great anyway. show. Yeah. Good work. Thank and you. good work, Kyle. Thanks for thanks for yes. thanks for putting that out there. I highly, highly, highly recommend people read what you wrote. No, oh, thank you. Cool. And, well, thank and, buy, you. And, and buy your stuff. And buy, buy some purism <laughs> stuff, even though they don't even pay us to say it's that. Good. We legitimately just think it's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, thank you. And thank you for everyone who has listened. And please join us next time.